It's Pi Augustine, your Division One candidate for Ipswich. My plan is for a community that is vibrant and attracts world investment, a community that is connected with the state-of-the-art transport system, a community that cares for our people and environment at a time of need. Division One needs a councillor that has the energy and motivation to get things done. A community champion. Find out more about me on my Facebook page, Pi Augustine for Division One. This ad was approved by Pi Augustine candidate. Ipswich deserves strong and stable leadership you know you can trust. I'm Mayor Teresa Harding, and as your Mayor, Ipswich is once again a city that businesses are proud to invest in and families love to call home. To keep our city moving forward, I'm committed to reducing cost of living pressures, expanding our road and transport networks, delivering more for our suburbs, and boosting investment in grassroots sports in our community. So vote one Teresa Harding for Mayor for sustainable growth for Ipswich. Authorised by T Harding, 264 South Station Road, Raceview. Coming up, a new Deputy Mayor for Ipswich. The State Government attempts to clarify how councillors should deal with inappropriate conduct matters referred by the OIA. Former councillors' names to stay on information signs. Plan B for North Ipswich Reserve Redevelopment. And a long weekend with a bumper list of things to see and do. Mayor Teresa Harding joins the show. It's Friday, April 28, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. I caught up with Teresa Harding after the April 27 meeting of Ipswich City Council. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Mayor Harding. Oh, my pleasure, Alan, and thank you, listeners. We'll go to the end of the meeting first and start with the appointment of the Deputy Mayor, which ended up being Councillor Russell Milligan. All went through very smoothly, all in favour, but there were rumours before the meeting that it wasn't a done deal. Were there any other contenders? Oh, look, I think um, our councils are very passionate, so I wouldn't be surprised if there were some other contenders. But, um, look, what I think was wonderful is the fact that um, in this term, each division has had a, a deputy mayor. And in particular, I think for D- Division 4, um, the areas of Rosewood, Faguna, Walloon and those rural areas, um, when you look at the history of it, they've never had a deputy mayor of a city council. So it's the first time they've had a, a deputy mayor as their divisional councillor. So hopefully, you know, it's, it's been a, I think a good process for us as we come back with so many new councillors. And what's your thoughts on still having a, a new deputy mayor every 12 months? Oh, look, that'll be a decision for a future council. So uh, the makeup of the council, it's a decision for um, the entire council. It's not just the purview of the, the mayor. Um, so, you know, the new council uh, in next year will make that decision. Back to the start of the meeting, and you tabled a letter from Mike Kaiser, who's the Director mm. General of uh, State Development, Infrastructure, Local Government and Planning. Not the longest department name in Queensland, but it's up there. Um, now, this letter attempted to clarify where councillors stand on reporting matters to the Office of Independent Assessor. Did it clarify those matters? I think what it, I mean, it's tabled, so the public will be able to read it, but um, Basically, it was outlining the fact that the department understood that councillors have a statutory obligation, which means they have a legal obligation to report matters. They were acknowledging that that was difficult and challenging in us discharging our duties under the Local Government Act. And they said that they're going to make sure that um, that this is actually part of the council induction training program for those elected next year. So I thought that was a, a good thing. It, it also went into the fact that um, any of those complaints from the OIA do send them back to the council. 
that those matters must be investigated as per the investigations policy. And it also outlined the fact that where a councillor is referring a complaint um, as they're part of their such obligations, that doesn't necessarily mean they have a conflict of interest as well. So I think it was just a matter of clarifying some of those things. There were three notice of motion items on the agenda. Well, mm. Let's start with uh, the one that essentially is about the voice. Now, that, that's been deferred to the next council meeting. Why wasn't a decision made this week? Um, obviously, it was discussed at the council meeting um, what, what the um, what council is going to do, and that is to get some more information. Um, we'll go to the Uluru Dialogue to learn more about the statements from the heart. But from a personal perspective, uh, Alan, we have an Indigenous Accord working group. They're a terrific group that we have. Um, I would be very hesitant, and I said this at the meeting, um, to make any decision like this without consulting them. So even after we do have this briefing, I'll, I think that councillors really should sit down with the Indigenous Accord working group and have a discussion about how they would like this managed. Still, our last working group was on the 24th of March, and I did raise this with them uh, to see what, even though it's a federal process, what can we do as a council to help our community? And um, I think it's, you know, I think it's an obligation that we have as councils to go back to that Indigenous uh, Accord Working Group and see how they would like this move to the community. It, it, you know, it's going to be quite divisive, I think, in many ways. So I think how can we make people safe and how do we um, move forward as a community on this? Replacement of information signs or like-for-like replacement. Uh, This has obviously been prompted by uh, reports in the media recently about former councillor David Palkey's name being removed in uh, Rosewood. I also noticed he was in the public gallery. What did council resolve about like-for-like replacements? Yeah, so council adopted that adopted the notice of motion that those signs, those information signs, not the commemorative signs, but the information signs, would be adopted like-for-like correcting any typographical uh, errors and, and things like and spelling mistakes and so on. So, um, yeah, it sort of came about there's a, a penny farthing in, in Rosewood and the sign there, it's just an information sign, but did have council Pal- uh, former Councillor Palkey's name on there. And when council um, updated that sign because it was quite weathered, um, they removed that, that name there because the current um, sign manual um, doesn't state that you put the council's name on there. So, look, obviously I was the only council that was against this, so I'm very passionate about this. It's the We certainly found this process that the old Division 10 was the only division that this happened in, and certainly it's the only council that I know in South East Queensland that does this. It does my head in a bit, I guess, I've got to say, Alan, because I think that um, – I think it's quite a vain thing to do for councillors to put their name on what is essentially information signs. Um, You would keep councillors' names and dignitaries' names on commemorative plaques, you know, when you're opening a building or anything like that, and councillors certainly would not be changing those ones. But something that is essentially an information sign about a park um, or anything, I I think, shouldn't have a councillor's name, but obviously I was voted down and... um, so from now on, they will be they will continue to have um, Councillor Palkey's name on that uh, former Councillor Palkey's name on those signs. North Ipswich Reserve, the item uh, that was moved there, specifically the notice to repeal dot points three and four from the recommendation D. And if you're playing along at home, you can uh, check the minutes uh, and agendas online at Ipswich City Council's website. They were originally uh, adopted by interim administrator Greg Chamello in 2019. Why does this have to be changed? That's a, um, a good question. So certainly at the time when the Interim Administrator 
said that um, council would only put $10 million in towards it um, if there was an NRL or an A-League licence and that would be managed by Stadiums Queensland um, and also said that the state and the federal governments had to put in $10 million each as well. So, look, obviously um, there has been a decision about the NRL licence and unfortunately um, uh, the ARL made a I think a very poor decision and, and giving it to the Dolphins that should have gone to the Jets. Um, and obviously there's no progress at the moment with the A-League. So we've decided to um, repeal that particular part and also the fact that um, that this facility will be going to Stadiums Queensland. Um, Shane Newman was successful in securing $20 million as part of his federal uh, election commitments and that's been that was in the budget last year. Um, so I guess our plan for the North Eastern Reserve is to do a staged upgrade. So we'll rather than a big one-off $250 million to do a big stadium, we'll do that as a stage project. So it now opens the door for um, council potentially, but also we want to put some bit of pressure on the state government to make sure they cough up their $10 million as well to, to progress this. So just to be clear on that, Shane Newman mm. secured $20 million, yes. So that just sits off to one side at the moment before plans are drawn up or are you going to try and no. secure some extra money? No, no, we'll be progressing. And I think um, we met earlier this year with, with Shane and Jets and a lot of other stakeholders, um, regularly Ipswich and so on. Um, the plan is to do something similar to, you know, at Brighton Homes Arena, you've got the... Um, the, the stand there with the broadcast and the change rooms underneath. Yes. So the plan is to probably build about uh, three of those along the way. So we'll use uh, of that twenty million, about seven million will be spent on uh, the lights upgrade. So they'll have to have brand new poles and a light upgrade, and then spend the rest of the money on that particular stand, as well as which will have the broadcast ability as well, as well as the change rooms. So we'll just sort of build that as we go. I think the days of us getting you know, I don't know how my breath we're getting $250 million for this when, when all levels of government are in debt, but I think this is a practical way to make sure that we do have, uh, you know, a facility there that can broadcast and we'll be able to attract NRL games as well as get the benefits locally. Moving on to a couple of other reports on the council meeting this month, the Ipswich Central Redevelopment Committee. Uh, I heard you mention Park and Pose is what what is park and pose me harding <laughs> thank you alan <laughs> i will be tending but i won't have my car there and posing but um look um, obviously planes trans and autos it's third year this year and um we try to tap into what's happening locally we know we've got um on friday the australian superbike championships at queensland raceways on sunday we have the um, um auto spectacular on so tapping into that on saturday we have the um at the queensland uh, workshops museum we'll be having a huge day there and the super wants to be flying over and so on but look after the big day at the workshops museum and uh, we're encouraging people to come down we're working with um if switch um muscle cars they'll be um lining up their their vehicles there and their cars um, with the owners as well and we're doing a park and pose so if you'd like to see some really great muscle cars and other cars come on down to tumor place on Saturday night from 5.30 to 8. Um, we encourage people to, to stick around, go to the top of town and, and grab a bite to eat or pop over to Riverlink to one of the restaurants there. Um, we'll see how it goes and let's hope it's really successful and we can continue this partnership with Classic and the Muscle Car Club of Ipswich. You've raised the point of uh, getting a snack or food or a meal. Mm-hmm. Food trucks in Nicholas yes. Street slash Tilma Place, they have their fans and detractors. The detractors mm. are mainly existing businesses in the surrounding streets that sell food uh, who think uh, that they might be uh, losing money because of it. What is your view on having food trucks in Nicholas Street? So usually between 80 and 90% 
of the food trucks are actually local people. They're actual local businesses. So we always, we've got a list of local food trucks. We always go to them first and they always have the first priority. They're our highest priority, but local businesses are always our highest priority. And now that we have a few food outlets, we actually only do this now when we have an event on. So it's not like it's every weekend. Um, it would be great if um, some of the businesses in, in Nicholas Street Precinct were open on the weekend. Um, we know, for instance, like when we had the witches market, there were 8,000 people there. It would be great for some of those businesses to be open on the weekend to get that trade. So the businesses who are open on the weekend are incredibly grateful for those events that are on. But but when it comes to food trucks, I guess it's up to up to people that want to use them or not. But we always give a priority to our local vendors and local food trucks. What I think I'm hearing you saying is that some of the business that are businesses that are permanent in Nicholas Street and surrounds, they're it's a bit of a chicken and the egg. They're not sure whether they should open or not because they're not sure whether they're going to have a crowd. How do you get over that problem? So we chat with the business owners and, and can, I just, can I just say, um, the people with shops there have been been through the ringer, Alan. Mm. Um, when you speak with some of them, they, you can see there's trauma, quite seriously trauma. And um, so they've heard a lot from councils in the, in the past. And so there's a great deal of frustration from the decisions made by the previous council. So we're working closely with them and, and, and all we can do is advise. So, you know, we did let, you know, we did offer market space to say for that witch's market for you know, those business in there and then they decided not to uptake that. They they want council to make people to go up the street. Um, there's only so much we can do, but look, we'll continue to hold events on the weekends. We do encourage um, anyone with a business there um, to, to open on the weekend or to have a stand down, if it's just down at the in the, in the um, Tula place, to have a stand there as well. So but we'll continue working with those um, business owners to get the best benefit for them. While we're staying in the mall, or Nicholas Street as it's now known, and Tula Place, any news on new tenants or a construction update? Yeah, Sushi Hio opened up last week and it's great. It's got a sort of a grab and go, so you can order there. They've got little screens there. You you just order it and it comes to you or there's a sushi train as well. And um, it's a, I was there on the first day. It's really delicious sushi, so I hopefully um, they, they seem to be very busy the last week and this week. Um, Bun Bun Bao, which is um, Chinese cuisine, um, is opening very soon. And also Aesthetica, which is a, a beauty salon, is also um, opening soon. So they're doing their fit out. Obviously, council doesn't get involved with that because they, they organise their own fit out and pay for that themselves. So um, I guess we're just supporting them. There's a lot of supply chain, cons- supply chain constraints and construction constraints. So we're looking forward to them opening soon. There was also a report from uh, a council officer uh, giving some detail about unexpected uh, construction issues where the cinemas are being uh, reconstructed. W- what's the situation there? Yes, as obviously it's an older building, um, there's been a few issues um, with that building as we um, get it ready. As a council is the landlord, so we have to make sure that the building is safe. We have to make sure that the, the dra- there was issues with um, drainage that had fallen in. There were about five different levels of flooring in there. Um, and we also have to make sure that the air conditioning is working as well. So um, there have been a few unforeseen um, issues prop- come up and I think that'll probably come back to council in another council report soon. So they're just um, quantifying what that is. From the CEO's report, it lists the partial reopening of Riverheart Parklands, which you've talked about previously. It's still only just the main pathway through original mm. stage one. Is council giving any priority to getting the, the lights on or getting the upper paths open? What, what's happening? Yeah, we are. But obviously, 
we're at the, the mercy of the supply chain as well. Um, so we're obviously doing the assessment on the boardwalk um, is really important. And But the main thing is, I guess, we opened up that um, the walkway there, the concrete walkway, so people can use it now. And colleges crossing um, will actually open a day earlier. It'll open, actually open on Saturday for that partial opening as well, just in that, that um, bottom part of colleges crossing so people will start to use it. And again, that area has no electricity and so there's no lights, no toilets and, and so on. So, But it will be open for people to use during the day. What about the public feedback on colleges crossing? Are you getting some good ideas? Um can I say we had over 600 people put in written feedback, which I think is tremendous. It mm. shows how much people love Colleges Crossing. We had a, a, lots of great um, um, feedback. Basically, 80% of the residents have asked for all that back to basics. So there was an understanding that this area will flood again. Um, you know, we all pay taxes and every time that happens, it costs us a lot of money. So um, residents are saying that they would like – a back to basics, the 20% that didn't want it are very keen to have of having a good um, playground near where the food trucks or whatever will happen there. So um, we're working on that now and um, yeah, council will be coming out with a report and uh, we're doing we'll do some design work and get back to the, the community. Now staying with the CEO's report to council, the electoral arrangement review has happened and that's undertaken by a, a state body. And it's been decided that the multi-member divisions will hang around for another four years from 2024. What's your view on the multi-member divisions from the Mayor's Chair? Um, Look, I was, um, you know, Council had an official view that we went forward to say that we wanted to change that to either 10 individual divisions or, you know, um, five, two councillor divisions. I guess it comes down to uh, look at the councillor's workload. Um, I guess in the past, you know, the councillors had about, I think about um, 16,000 residents each to to sort of look after. And at the moment, you've got two councillors looking after over 60,000 residents in each division because of the population growth and fewer divisions. And so, you know, Division 1, you've got people from Red Bank Plains. Um, Their council also looks after people in Grantchester. Uh, Same uh, on the north side, but people who, uh, you know, Kate and Russell look after everyone from Borellon Point through to Rosewood and North Ipswich and Brassel. So most people expect both their councils to attend every single event. I think there was a a view that the councils could divide and conquer and, and, and sort of share things, but... You know, the community do expect the councils to attend every event and it's, um, it, it does get challenging, especially dealing with um, with issues as well. So we're trying to find, a, I guess, an efficient way of, of how do we represent our residents and properly. Let's talk about flood recovery. We've mentioned mm. Colleges Crossing and Riverheart Parklands. What other work needs to be done to complete flood repairs across the city? Um, roads, but also um, clubhouses. So we're still working through parks and clubhouses. We still have a number of clubhouses who that need to be built back um, to where they are. And so, you know, that's that's our big uh, big process. My encourage residents to go on just to go to Ipswich City Council and look up the flood recovery map. Uh, we have all the works listed there. There's over 500 projects there, and we're more than a third of the way through. And as well as we've got um, another report there, which shows how how each pro project is progressing as well so and how much it's costing so um it is just one of those things we put things out to the market and sometimes people respond to the tenders other times they don't and we're just sort of wanting to get that all that work done by the middle of next year we're recording this interview leading into another long weekend and you've mentioned planes trains and autos and the super bikes but let's look ahead a couple of weeks mother's day is coming up on sunday may 14 
And this has been a very successful program, so obviously that's why you're keeping it going. Mm. Trees for Mum, what will be happening on Mother's Day? Oh, look, it is really popular and it's nice to see that you know, people are always thinking of, thinking of their mum. So Mother's Day is on Sunday the 14th of May. So we'll certainly have native trees available for free for people to, um, you know, for, for Mother's Day. And it's, I guess it's a great way to, uh, for families to come together. But it's also good for our environment as well to, to build this. And you know, people pay their rates. It's good that they get that benefit as well. And if we can just turn to one more item, Mayor Harding, that uh, wasn't on the council agenda, the 2032 Olympics. Recently, I spoke with Dave Martin, who's announced he's going to be running for mayor. He stated there were going to be no Olympic events in Ipswich. What's your understanding of any Olympic events in Ipswich? Mm. Look, the hosting agreement, that's a good question. The hosting agreement between... um, I guess, council, state, federal governments, but also with the International Olympic Committee, um, stated that um, they actually called it the Ipswich Stadium because it hadn't been named then, but obviously the Brighton Homes Arena is an Olympic venue. So that's locked in and signed by the International Olympics Committee. And um, the modern pentathlon will be there. So for that to change, that would mean that the state, the federal governments um, and the International Olympics Committee have made a decision. So that would be a very public process. And I can tell you now I'd be jumping up and down. So that's locked in um, by that hosting agreement. So like I said, any changes to that would require a change by the International Olympics Committee, the federal government and the state government. And I'd be very disappointed if they did that. Mayor Teresa Harding, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Thanks, Alan. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to look for handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au.